Fish fucker movie made best picture. What? Welcome to the Superhouse Podcast, everybody. This is Andrew, as always, and this is episode 116. I'm once again joined by Joey. Hello. Maddie. Hey, uh. And Stefan. Howdy. Our guest this week is a practical effects artist named AJ Catalano Torres. He is a huge fan of Star Trek and Batman. He has done special effects work for films such as Star Trek Beyond, Batman vs. Superman, Supergirl, Pacific Rim, Winter Soldier, just to name a few. He has put lights in a lot of suits and done a lot of production design work so far. So let's all welcome AJ, and thanks for coming, AJ. Hey, what's happening? Nice to meet you guys. Thank you. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you already. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming to us. <laughs> Don't mention it. <laughs> so I pronounced your, your name correctly? That is right, yeah. Catalano. Okay. A lot of people have trouble, but that's right. I'm still getting used to the married name, Catalano Torres. Right. Torres, so. right, right. Hyphenated. But, uh, thank you for remembering it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Your IMDb is not hyphenated yet, right? No, no. I'm okay. not sure if I think I'm going to throw everybody off. I really need some help with my IMDb yeah, page yeah. because it's got this weird old picture and I don't know how to take it down. <laughs> and I've yeah, gotten yeah. IMDb Pro for a while and uh, I don't know. I, I let that go because I'm like, I don't need it. But so, I don't know. Anybody out there wants to give me a hand with that crap? Um, <laughs> yeah. Later, maybe we'll chat. Yeah, it just magically updates itself by somebody. Something, yeah. I don't know. The IMDb fairies. Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So this is uh, the part of the ongoing uh, Practical Effects Artist interview series. Thanks for coming on board. You didn't have to do this, but oh, you came sure. here, and that's awesome. Well, glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so let's get started right away. Um, I know I said your name earlier, but let's just um, do it again just for clarity. What is your name and where are you from? AJ Cataleno Torres. Uh, <laughs> I'm from New Orleans originally, and mm-hmm. uh, as we were saying earlier, I got to L.A., October 1st of 2000 yeah with uh, stars in my eyes like everyone and you know <laughs> my dream was to uh, do special effects practical work right and uh, prop work and you know I'm a traditional Trek fan and uh, you know and I knew no one and I had no job lined up it was mm-hmm. like I came with my clothes in a box and I shipped my car and computer over and um, <laughs> I got a temporary place to stay you know some folks I was going to stay with, they pooped out on me, and uh, friends made calls to friends and got me a place for a month. So I flew here, schlepped up some stairs in this guy's apartment that had an extra room, and put my bag down and opened the window, and what is directly across the street but Paramount Pictures. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Wow. I was like, That's holy cool. shit. I made right it, on. Oh, my God. And I called my best friend, Kim, and I'm like, Kim, Star Trek is literally in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I've got to get my tricorders together <laughs> and bang on the door with my graphics and show them how great I am. <laughs> and I did do that, and it uh, and 10 years later, I finally got a job oh, shit. in film. Yeah, I didn't know anyone that went nowhere. Um, I did become a page at Paramount uh, a couple of years later. Um, and everybody, they always advertise that as a foot in the door kind of job. And it was so interesting because I would walk tour groups past the Star Trek Enterprise sound stages. Oh, shit. 
like every day. And uh, people had suggested I go and meet with uh, uh, like Doug Drexler and um, Mike Okuda and the, the prop master and the set dresser just to say hi. And I would. And I know they were very polite to me and, and nice, but I, I think they were like, OK, let's get him out the door. <laughs> and, and I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, now that I'm in the business, um, people don't want to hire someone they don't know because, you know, you're with people in the, in our jobs, mm -hmm. you know, for sometimes 12, 14 hours a day. Yeah. And yeah. you want to be able to get along with people. You don't want to hire a crazy person. Yeah. You don't know. yeah. So you have to be selective. And I, I totally get that. And that's why it did take me 10 years of, uh, uh, before I got connected, so to speak. I had, uh, came from a background in engineering, uh -huh. doing drafting, uh, at several different firms. And when I came here, I worked at Toyota manufacturing plant in Long Beach and bounced around. And then finally I was at wet design that does all the fabulous fountains, like the one at the mm. Bellagio and, mm. and all around the world. And then they were laying off a huge group of people. And then uh, another fella that had been to my house with his wife saw my artwork, which is all lighted sculpture. Oh. Did you see any of it when you're yes. at the house? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, so he had done production work before and went back into some production work after wet laid us off and they <laughs> needed more hands. And so he called and said, Hey, AJ does this kind of work. And he said, are you busy? You want to come and help out on a project? I'm like, uh, sure, I guess what, what is it? He's like, well, don't say anything, but, um, it's for Tron. I'm like, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. He's like, but act like you don't know. I'm like, oh, I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was my first movie gig. That was in 09. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and from there, they just liked my personality. There is always somebody that knows more than, yeah, than yeah. you, I'd like to say, in general. And I freely admit that, you know, I, there are people that are a lot more technically skilled than, than I am. Uh -huh. um, but it's, it's how you behave and, and, and interact with people that can bring you a long way, as well as your expertise level. And uh, I've just tried to maintain all of that. And that's kind of kept me going right. all this time. Like word, all of my jobs have been by word of mouth. Throughout. Mm -hmm. I never had to go to any effects yeah. house with my resume. Um, so... I just was lucky, but it did take 10 years. And, and some friends had said, yeah, there is a 10 year rule in LA. It takes you 10 years to be here mm -hmm. before you actually land where you want to be. And I was like nine and a half. So oh, that's kind wow. of how that went. What were you doing before that? Uh, before what? From 2000, 2010 or 2009. Uh, oh, wow. Well, I had gotten some temp jobs doing drafting at Boeing satellite systems. Oh, I think shit. that was one of my first jobs. And, um, and that was like a prison. Like I was, uh, <laughs> you know, well, I, 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 the downside of the engineering field was, um, I was in this limited space, like at this one computer in a cubicle, usually seeing some of the same faces over and over again. I didn't really get to branch out or do anything creative. Mm -hmm. So when I was at Boeing satellite systems, they're like, Oh, well, here, we have a little computer for you. I was in this entire floor by myself oh. in a cubicle and it was dark. And I'm like, I'm in jail. Wow. <laughs> I'm in prison. I'm back. I've gone backwards in my career. But um, I was doing that, um, would get some of those. I 
worked as a page at Paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, then nine eleven happened, and they stopped all tours on the lot oh. uh, for fear because we heard that there were reports that they were going to hit a major Hollywood studio mm. after oh, that. Sure. So yeah. no more tours, no more deliveries on the lot. They had all the pages delivering FedEx packages, and they had us X-raying packages. Like they got an X-ray machine, an old one from the airport, and just yeah. say, here, guys, uh, X-ray this. You were TSA and, for Paramount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. At like $8 an hour. <laughs> They oh, had us X-raying packages and delivering them on the lot in place of FedEx and UPS. Okay. Uh, it's wow. just crazy. But I loved it. I loved it. I loved it because, you know, I saw um, Brent Spiner dressed as Data coming out of a makeup trailer. Oh, oh shit. Oh, they, were sh- they were shooting the last Trek Next Gen cast film, um, Nemesis. And I oh, did yeah. get that. So, I mean, I was like, holy shit balls. <laughs> they were like, uh, and, and you were like, you know, you cannot bring a camera to work. And every day I had my digital camera with me. Oh, yeah. And I was like going to go back and pick him up and say, here, here, Brent, I'll bring you to your set. But he was gone. Um, you know, you'd see celebrities every day on the lot. And I saw Ben Stiller. Um, gosh, I can't even think of everyone I saw. It was just awesome. It was like, I didn't care that I was getting $8 an hour. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Or not even... 20 hours of work a week. I was like, aye, aye, aye. And if I had a little more sense or knowledge that I have now, I would have gone to the Star Trek production office and said, hey, can I come in and just work for free? Uh-huh. Um, just so that's a good way for them to get to know you. Right. And I've told that to other people that want to intern. Um, that's a re- great way to get known. Right. Um, and I just didn't think about that then. I it's maybe could have gotten a leg up sooner, but... I didn't. I also worked at the Gap at Hollywood and okay. Highland, which is now a Foot Locker. Um, <laughs> I opened that store, like when that mall first opened, uh, where they have the Oscars now. Mm-hmm. And so that man, that job at the Gap was a blast. Really? It was, yeah, because coming from the engineering field, I was locked in this cubicle, <laughs> right? And all of the coworkers were all these good old boys, and they had their hunting calendars. And I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. In Hollywood. And, no, no, this has been New Orleans. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, and they had their hunting calendar and their shooting range target from Thursday before because everybody went on Thursdays to the shooting range at lunch. And so here I was at the Gap, and it was like, oh, my God, I'm, it's like I'm in a gay bar with no alcohol. <laughs> it, was, it was a blast. It was bright. It was pretty. There was nice clothes. There was fun music. Uh, and, like, the managers would stick me in men's one. AJ, men's one. And uh, I would greet people. You're like, hey, look at this sweater, two ninety nine. Take it home, and I throw it at people. <laughs> Just throw it at <laughs> them. Like, yeah, we found a box of old uh, sweaters from the winter before, and the computer marked them down to three bucks. And okay. so people walked in. I'm like, look, three dollars. Take it home, and I'd throw it. And um, I'm like, look, three dollars. You can wash your car with it. Take it. And security watched me on the cameras, and we could hear everything over our headsets, and they're like, they're rolling. They're just rolling. <laughs> so we all had a good time. But again, that was a job that didn't, it paid $10 an hour. They're oh, like, nice. Catalano, you are the best salesman <laughs> we have ever seen. I, they had people that wanted to give me, customers wanted to give me tips. I'm like, no, you can't give me tips. I will get fired if I take any cash from you. Just go to the uh, front and tell the manager that, you know, he liked I did a good job, and so. But anyway, that was a fun diversion. But okay, you know. Um, next question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got I, you. I just uh, just for some explanation oh, yeah. for yeah, the yeah, yeah. listeners who aren't 
so well versed. Uh, a page. What does that entail? Oh, a page um, mm -hmm. at most studios. There are people who will manage audiences for TV shows or game shows. Or when there's a studio audience, a page will help seat all, all the audience. And mm -hmm. we usually have to stand there in a blazer and a tie. And pages um, at like Universal Studios and at Paramount and at Warner Brothers, they'll conduct tours as well. Aww. So that was fun too because they educated us on the history of the lot. And so we could go around and tell everyone, hey, this is the Lucille Ball courtyard, you know, because she's mm -hmm. own part of that lot. And, you know, we'd go in the Soul Train soundstage because oh, they were nice. still filming Soul Train. And uh, it was, you know, so much history. I loved it. But that's what a page does. Okay. Cool. It's like a PA to a certain degree, yes. right? If you know what a PA, and maybe we need to explain that. Produ a production assistant. Pro production right, assistant, but, yeah. But we're required to dress better. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're on the lot, the studio right. lot. Yeah. And do public speaking because we have to talk to uh, the public. So, yeah. Cool. So you moved from New Orleans to L.A. Yes. Did you have any culture shock at all? Did you, had you ever come to this part of the country before? I had been when I was a kid. I had an aunt in San Diego, and I had visited. And I had been, as an adult, I came for a big sci-fi convention in the 90s, and I just loved it. I was like, you know, I knew when I was a kid when I came here, um, this is where I wanted to be. Uh, also, the little town that I'm from uh, outside of, the city of New Orleans was called St. Bernard Parish. It okay. was a really, really, really rough place to grow up. Um, you know, kids didn't understand me when I was making a jetpack with these yeah. plastic pipes and cardboard boxes. And, you know, they were interested in carrying around their, their BB rifles and blowing the brains out of lizards. <laughs> and, <laughs> or the man next door who was skinning a bullfrog in the back of his Chevy truck. And I'm watching that, this big giant frog leap with half of its skin on it. I'm like, Jesus, this is, this is maybe not for me. No, <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, wow. and then the, the, the heat and the weather, it was just, I really introverted early in life away from, and the, the kids were just fucking monsters. They were like <laughs> horrid, hillbilly, rotten monsters. Cajun though, in this area? <laughs> these weren't, I wouldn't call these, Cajun would be a compliment. You know, okay. I, wow. would not, I would not give these particular <laughs> kids that credit, but uh, no, uh, they were just monsters. And so when I came <laughs> to California, I was like, wow, everybody's nice. The weather's nice. This is the place to be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, uh, so I, you know, I introverted and I became a child of television and I just, uh, uh, TV became my best friend, my, my, educator my big brother uh you know it was it was everything to me you know i would yeah. just go home and watch star trek and batman and bewitched and i dream a genie and the monsters and it was just all there for me the brady bunch oh the brady. i still watch the brady <laughs> bunch i watched it this morning i'm like nice i go to that house actually on dilling street in studio city just to bring friends <clears throat> that come in town to visit i'm like i'm taking you somewhere they're like where and I just pull up. I'm like, look. They're like, oh, my God, it's the Brady Bunch house. Like, yes, it's here. It's real. <laughs> it exists. Yes. Um, so then, you know, I, I also trained myself uh, on electronics. 
on how to build things. I think I made my first light light up when I was seven years old. Wow. My mom had these do-it-yourself time life books. And I would just flip through because there were a lot of pictures, right? Mm -hmm. And it showed how to take a coat hanger and bend it and cut it and take a flashlight bulb with a flashlight battery and put it on it and make it light up. That was it. Mm -hmm. I just started like melting holes in my lunchbox and taking my grandmother's medicine bottles and shoving them in the holes and then putting Christmas lights in that. And, mm -hmm. and I had a Star Trek control panel. Nice. And um, I just kept going. So that's why kids in the neighborhood were like, oh, he's weird. What is he doing? <laughs> what is he making? Yeah. What, okay, AJ, that's your jet, your jet pack. Let's see it work. I'm like, well, it doesn't really work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't get it. It's just a replica. It's just cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they didn't get it. You know, I barely got it. But uh, kids don't know how good they have it these days. Because I feel like if, if the kid did that now, they'd be like, oh, you're cosplaying. That's cool. Right. That yeah. didn't even fucking exist then. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, the Legos were white, black, and a few red. No, they were just white and red. Oh, they were black with solid yeah. build like a phaser with mine, with my Legos, and take a black marks a lot and just mark it up just to make it black. That's the best phaser I could make. Mm -hmm. Until my mom got me a uh, an electric jigsaw when I was like ten. She's like, okay, "Here you now. go, honey." She's like, hey. "I was like, great, I'm gonna make phasers." And she's like, "Oh no, you're gonna put paneling up in the utility room." Like, That's exactly what she bought it for. But I was making phasers and communicators with that. It was uh, it was fun. Nice. Connecting it to to now. Yeah. You're sort of known. Are you kind of known for you're putting for putting lights onto suits, right? From yeah. Tron days and all that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They, everybody knows. Um, that's what I've been doing, uh, and I like to think I'm pretty good at it. Um, uh huh. At how to manage wires and space inside of something and get a good lighting effect with, you know, with the, the light sources that are on the market. Um, also, I'm trying to. I've been trying to branch out and do more design work as well. Okay. Um, I think they would call me a wire jockey at this okay. point. Okay. I've been told, or lighting designer. It's really hard to say what my title is. A fabrication department, model shop. Um, but you're, in, you're in fabrication, but you do all the electrical stuff, but yeah. you're not in animatronics per se. Yeah, yeah. I don't know animatronics that well. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to learn more. I'm at a shop now. During the day now, I am doing soul-crushing, boring <laughs> engineering work. Wow. Because work is just slow. A lot of shops have been slow for the past couple of years. And I picked up a nighttime gig. I think I could say it. Uh, well, huh. can I say it? Work, um, work, working on a superhero uh, yeah. that has a lightning bolt on his chest. <laughs> just just go Google it, kids. Right. <laughs> And in fact, um, I saw a photo on Instagram. They have the worst ago. set security of all time. <laughs> yeah, of, of the character, uh, you know, outside in a suit with the lightning bolt lit up. I was like, oh, well, I guess I can post this now because someone else did. But um, so that's a cool gig. And they're going to have this other pretty long term uh, animatronic gig there. Oh, so yeah. I, might, okay. I might even if it. If it's enough, I'd love to just bail out of the daytime job. Yeah. But the bad thing is Friday, uh, I had a little cough at the engineering job. They're like, AJ, are you sick? I'm like, <laughs> I have a little bit. Go home. Go home. 
I'm like, no, I'm here. I'm going to finish these drawings. No, go home. And I was able to go home and claim sick time because I had it accrued. Mm -hmm. And so I could go home sick and get paid and not feel guilty. It was really a, an unusual feeling. Yeah. And it could be addictive. So I just want to be cautious and not fall under the spell of that security. It's a trade-off. Right. Like, am I, am I going to have security or am I going to do what I love to do? So... You know, I have to make hard decisions. I've had security for a long time. Well, before I moved here. <laughs> and so, but this is the only place I can do this work. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, Atlanta's coming up and New York, but still, LA is still kind of the hub. Yeah. In fact, we've lost a lot of jobs to Canada specifically. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I will say, like, The Tick, Supergirl, um, Daredevil. The Flash. Daredevil went. It's all like in Montreal. Yeah, yeah it immediately yeah. went there. Um, oh, I didn't know that. So they just film exteriors, some exteriors in New York. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the Tick also, I think. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we built suits for those, or the or the cowls, or a lot of it, and then it winds up being just for the premiere episode, mm -hmm. and then they take it up there and duplicate it or replicate it, and we never see it again. We mm. did all of the. Um, villains at this shop I was formerly at um, for the first season of Supergirl. And then second season, they moved up to Canada and we never saw any work with them again. Right. So oh, damn. it was a little disappointing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what else about... As far as design work, um, actually, I designed a main character for uh, this film called Freddy, the best friend ever made. And it's an independent film. It'll be straight out to, I guess, a streaming service. I don't know where yet. Freddy with an I. Um, and the main character is this robot called Freddy. So I actually completely designed and built cool. him with nice. the exception of the animatronics. Um, and Fiedler that was did that? Huh? Fiedler did that or not? No, Bob Mano, who's okay. like a veteran. And he's worked on everything from the original Jurassic Park and before. So... Uh, Wonderful people. He's worked with us with Fiedler, okay, um, at, uh, at Fractured, and uh, so Freddie is actually having the red carpet premiere Wednesday, mm. so I'll be at that. Um, so nice. that's interesting. Uh, another one of my uh, what I told everyone, uh, and I'm sorry guys for yak yak yakking. No, yeah, that's no, right. here, right? The worst thing is for you to not talk at all. Okay, <laughs> good, good, good. Um, don't want to bore anyone. So. <laughs> The no. uh, one of my achievements, I, I told everyone when I moved here, I said, listen, if I can just mop the floors at Star Trek production, I, uh, I can move back home and die a happy drunk. Uh, <laughs> so happy drunk. I, yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. So um, I. Uh, so I achieved my goal, actually. I did not mop the floors. I actually, you know, I had, uh, when the first Abrams film came out, Trek film, I really, there was so much about it I loved. Um, you know, the, the original style uniforms. But then I was really disappointed with their phaser and communicator and tricorder. And some friends of mine and I were discussing it afterwards. And I said, you know, I could have did a better job than that. I really could have did a better job than that. So I put my money where my mouth was. And I sketched up a communicator. No, uh, a phaser and a tricorder. 
and actually 3D modeled and built working ones. And you can see that on my website. Um, oh, shit. It's, uh, and I actually tried to get the, I almost got the tricorder in the second film. I was in communication with the prop master and then they were like, oh yeah, we need a, a secondary tricorder. And then by the time I got back in touch with him, he was like, ah, we cut the scene. I was like, oh, boo. Oh, <laughs> that sucks, man. But um, <laughs> for the last film, Star Trek Beyond, uh, I was at this other shop, um, uh, Quantum Creation Effects, and that's where I designed and built um, Freddy. Uh, it's they produced it and I was happy to be the designer and one day we're working on something I think Independence Day 2 and Ghostbusters mm -hmm. you know, the bad one <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so the boss comes up and said hey Jay got this prop guy came in and he needs this kind of oxygen mask for this character just they don't have any design they just want something to maybe you want to take a crack at doing some designs for it uh, you know, they only have some reference photos. They don't even have a design. Maybe you want to throw something out. I was like, okay. He goes, and by the way, it's for Star Trek. And I like hit the floor and bounce right back up. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm cool. And he's just laughing his ass off. He knows how I, I would a Trekkie. So I, I uh, cranked out like five different designs, uh, a CG model. And we built it on like an existing uh, mouthpiece, you know, like a clear, clearish mouth cover and they pick the first one and you know often we do design work and uh it'll be like this blur on screen like it's background or it's blurry or it's a fast motion and you never see it so i didn't have any expectations and then the first trailer came out for the film and it, you clearly saw it in the very first trailer on mm. simon Pegg when he's like jettisoning himself out of the enterprise in a photon torpedo and so he grabbed a, an oxygen mask off and it's got a light in it. So I was like, cool. holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's just a fluke. You know, the movie's going to be different. So I saw the film and like you saw it a long time on screen and very clearly. <laughs> and I was like, blah. <laughs> okay, life life goal achieved. <laughs> so Time to um, pack it up. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be going back to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so to live, sorry. Uh, I mean, I love New Orleans, but you know, uh, let's just leave it at that. There's <laughs> too many kids tearing off bullfrog skins yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's still hot there. Yeah, it's still hot and muggy. You don't want to there in the summer. To all you kids that want to visit, don't go in July, August, or September ever. That's mm. the worst one. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Muggy as fuck, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. We we were there. Uh, yeah, it's rough, rough. Um, any other questions? Yeah, yeah. so you're... I'm trying to imagine the scene here. You're a kid in, you're a young kid in uh, near New Orleans. You're growing up. You're watching Star Trek, and you're like, you turn to your mom. You're like, Mother, I shall go to Los Angeles <laughs> and create for this show. That's exactly how it happened, or no? Like what? <laughs> what? So was it was mainly Star Trek, and you said Batman earlier, yeah. and like. Uh, you're a was big it? Batman fan. I am, yeah. I think Batman was my first big okay. freak out as a kid. Okay. You know, I wanted that fucking utility belt <laughs> so bad. <laughs> and that bat laser and that Batmobile. Oh yeah. my God, the Batmobile. Which one? Love the 66 one. Okay, 66 one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh my God. Um, it's so funny because I forced my mom to buy me the little Corgi uh, uh, cast iron one with the bat boat when i was like 
10 or 11 as a birthday present. And um, we saw it in a store like months before my birthday. And so she's like, okay, I'll get it now, but you can't play with it. I'm like, what? What's the point, So then she, then she would be like, okay, you can take it out, but you have to rewrap it for your birthday. Oh, man. I was man. like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and um, I've since, since I've been to LA, I, I've become friends with um, Brett Barris, which is George Barris, the creative of the Batmobile. Right. Uh, yeah. Just by chance, we met through other friends. And um, they had a, a book release at the old Tower Records on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, in West Hollywood, like uh, 10, 12 years ago. And it was a book about 1966. And I heard that Julie Newmar was going to be there. So I'm like, fuck mm. yeah, I want to go. So we get there and we're walking up and there's the Batmobile out in front. I'm right. like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I walk up and there's like nobody around. There's no rope. There's nothing. So I'm just like being very respectful and sticking my head right in it, taking photos of all the controls <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yeah. And then out walks Brett Barris. He's like, hey, AJ, what are you doing? I said, hey, I didn't know you'd be here. He's like, yeah, you know, we bring this out for these promotional things. We brought it up for the book. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. He's like, AJ, do you want to sit in it? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> He's like, just go sit in it. So my <clears throat> old roommate wow. was with me. So... He took a lot of photos of me sitting in that thing. Oh my God. <laughs> like another life goal achieved, you know? Achievement unlocked. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty awesome too. And um, I used to get my oil changed at Jiffy Lube right across the street from the uh, Barris Car Studios. Mm-hmm. So every time I was waiting, I'd just go walk over and plaster my face on the glass. And <laughs> they had like the monster coach and and uh, the monkey mobile and the Batmobile and parts of the Batmobile that they hadn't used. I was like, oh, so that was kind of <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, Batman was kind of first. And then Star Trek, I just kind of discovered late night on TV. And I was like, what is this shit? Original series? <laughs> yeah, original. Original, okay. I was like, you know, I, I was a late bird even as a kid. And I'm just flipping channels. My mom gave me a TV for my room just because mm-hmm. she knew that would just help me sleep and I'm flipping I'm like what is this like, this <laughs> shit was like, like so serious and realistic and it wasn't you know a big clown show and so I was just like hooked it was like freaky what yeah. was it what was it about Star Trek that drew you to it though it in was, particular it was uh, because it was like these serious and then sometimes scary storylines and I, w- I would sit there and watch it late night with my mom and like something freaky would happen, like Abraham Lincoln would show up <laughs> with them, and I'm like, "Mama, what's gonna happen?" She's like, "I don't know. I guess you have to wait till the commercials over." Yeah, and it was just presented in such a serious way, um, and it was so feasible, it locked me in fast. Uh-huh. And then I guess later, the fact that uh, People were just trying to do good things and really upstanding, as opposed to the monsters in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. You know? Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, that's a they didn't self... want to shoot. They didn't want to blow a lizard's head off on yeah, this show yeah, yeah. just for fun. You know, unlike Kevin and Keith Menard from down the street. You know, <laughs> full names uh, here. All yeah, right, why not? They, <laughs> they they deny knowing me anyway. So. All right, all right. <laughs> wow. I'm sure they're not listening, so it's yeah. Like, <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, I actually I grew up watching like a, a little bit of Star Trek, especially Next Generation. That was my main yeah. one. And then when I was living in Japan, of all places, um, 
I started watching it. I started. I downloaded them all. Okay. I downloaded all of Next Generation. So I like How pretty much watched all of that. Three years. Three years. Okay. And then I I I didn't really watch it as a kid. But then when I saw it like as an adult, I kind of immediately got into the whole positive future thing. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no money. There's no racism, no sexism, no homophobia, yeah. none of that. Like that whole thing. And like some people say that like a lot of sci-fi, is, they call it negative sci-fi, right? Well, like the Matrix, whereas this is positive sci-fi. So I, uh-huh. I always thought that was a really cool thing because not there really aren't that many positive sci-fi works out there. Yeah, like if you watch Electric Dreams on uh, Netflix now, it's all mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick stories. Negative. And yeah, and I've been watching, trying to like I got I think six episodes in, and I'm like, man, this shit's a downer. I'm like, that <laughs> Philip K. Dick must have been a really depressed motherfucker. Yeah. And yeah. then somebody told me, yeah, he was. Uh-huh. I was like, I see. You know, yeah, yeah. Every episode ends kind of sad. Um, so yeah, yeah. Gene Roddenberry was very positive and and uh, optimistic. Uh, you know, he was a businessman too, but. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. I, I like the job he did and the team that he put together and how they kept that together and kept it going really well. Here's the weird thing about the original Star Trek. And I think somebody pointed out to me recently why I've been feeling this way for several years. Okay, I've seen every episode mm-hmm. a gazillion times, right? Yeah. Right, right. It's, I've been saying for the past, I don't know, 10 years, I'm like, I'll watch an episode. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just noticed something I never noticed before. Mm. Like, how is this happening? And it's continual. And I'm mm. like, how is this happening? And every one, I'm like, look at that. Look at those people in the background. Look at that diverse crowd in that room. I never noticed that before. Look at that little detail. Look at this. It's astounding. And then somebody pointed out, I think, the obvious to me recently. It's like probably because the quality of the TVs have gotten better. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then yeah. they've transferred these to Blu-ray, and now you're seeing so much detail now yeah. because they're able to show it on a more detailed... Mm-hmm. I said, ah, that's probably... Cesar Romero's uh, mustache. No one was going to see that on those TVs back there. <laughs> yeah. or, or Frank Gorshin's purple corset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody on was going to see it. the outside of his tights. That's great. The show was shot in color, but it was a time when most... And I was talking about Batman now, but it was a time when most uh, most TVs were still black and white in most people's homes. Yeah. Still, a color TV was a luxury item for a few years. Right. But on you know? those shows that went to color, they threw every color in the box yeah, yeah, on yeah. that screen because yeah. that's it, color was so new you had to. Yeah, you watched the old Star Trek and Batman, uh-huh. and it's so vivid, colorful. Yeah, it's like woo, <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. They do go nuts with it. So you. Uh, you, the Batman utility belt, Batmobile, the phasers and all that from Star Trek, uh, Tricorder and everything. So you pretty much knew you wanted to get into props and like production design from that? Or was it like, yeah, I want to go and film and I'll figure it out from there? I think I just had been building shit like that since I was a little kid. I just mm-hmm. was like, I'd see some little stupid control in the Jetsons and I'm like, hey, I can make that with this cardboard box that... Mm had i don't know dirt in it or something (laughs) or a medicine bottle of my grandmother's like i just i don't know i figured out how to put i think lego helped me a lot too Uh and had an erector set and uh tinker toys i just i don't know lincoln logs no i never had those (laughs) those were boring (laughs) yeah they're kind Um, of boring 
But <laughs> yeah, I just with all that stuff, I just started building things. Oh, and I remember uh, I was pretty young and my sister was 10 years older than me. And so my mom would make her take me shopping with her. She's a teenager in high school. She's going to the big mall. She's like, take your little brother. She's like, ah, you know, <laughs> and so I'd just be dragged along and she'd go in the girls department. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, and, and like DH homes, you know, and there's no toy section. So I can't escape there. Um, so I remember going by the books and I saw the Starfleet technical manual. And it blew my fucking mind. <laughs> you like, this exists? I was like, what the <laughs> shit is this? I'm flipping through, and there's technical drawings of the phaser and the communicator and the tricorder and their cutaway diagrams showing all the guts. And I'm like, this shit's real. <laughs> and it's actual size. And it wasn't the dinky little size of the toys that they put out. It was the actual correct size I could see on screen. That was another thing that pissed me off. Every toy on the market was like too big or too small. You know, I would bitch and bitch and bitch. Like, there's so much plastic here. Why couldn't they have just gotten it the right size? You know, yes. <laughs> plastic here with this big monster phaser bullshit. Um, so anyway, this book was like incredible. And it had like floor plan layouts of every deck of the ship and different and everything. And it was in it. Um, I begged my sister to buy it. She was like, that's $12. I'm not buying that. You know? <laughs> and another day we went, and I think it was marked down. I'm like, please, please. I like latched on. She's like, fine. And she bought it. Wow. I still have that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a really great. And I, I want to credit that with my ideas of going into drafting, mm. the, the technical drawing aspect of the book. Yeah. Uh, it was so great. You know, it really brings it to life. It's not just somebody slapping together. You know, medicine bottles and mm -hmm. shit. Like, I watch Lost in Space now, and no offense to any fans of Lost in Space, but, you know, that was not a serious sci-fi show mm -hmm. at all. Uh, it might have started out that way, but it quickly digressed into this clown show with walking celery. <laughs> uh, I was watching a documentary about Jonathan Harris mm -hmm. recently on YouTube, who was Dr. Smith. Mm -hmm. And apparently there was an episode where he was turning into a giant celery. Really? I was like, whew, man, that's rough. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this wasn't like that. It's so weird because Lost in Space was not on in syndication in New Orleans oh. my entire life. So I was not familiar with it. I heard of it, but I had never seen any episodes until mm -hmm. later when I was an adult. And it had been broadcast on Sci-Fi Channel. And I watched it. I was like, ooh, wee. That's, that's hard to watch you know yeah but that was pretty you know, big in the time though. yeah i don't want to knock anybody's love for the show because i i know you know adults and seniors that are like big heartfelt fans of that show mm -hmm. so you know i totally get it that's yeah 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 my dad watched that and he just told me because the new i sent him the netflix thing the, oh, the yeah, trailer for that be a new series on netflix yes in space yeah i'm excited it looks interesting it looks I'm cool gonna, yeah. i'm gonna watch it yeah, I'm gonna watch it. It he he was saying that his his mom used to restrict him from from seeing it a little bit because it was it was scary stuff back then for kids. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My mom would be a little strict about certain things. She's like, "Don't watch that. That's weird. Weird. That's weird. That's too weird." And yet, 
she'd go off to bingo and leave me at home. And I remember on on the PBS station on a Saturday night, they showed Night of the Living Dead. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, my God. And I saw the little girl with the spade hacking into her mom's throat. And I'm like, I shouldn't be watching this. But I am. I, I was like seven or something. I'm like, ah. It was like <laughs> horrific. Like, it should not have been on. I mean, it was it was after 10, but oof, I shouldn't have watched that. That and 2001 were oh. on, and that was just a little too far out for me. That's what my mom, she watched that with me. Oh. She said, this is too weird. It's too weird. But that's one, that's one of my favorite movies of all time is 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. I, I love that. still holds up today. I love the model work in it and just the concepts. And I really think Arthur C. Clarke was uh, communicated by aliens because I've read a lot of his books. Yeah. Like, how, how did he know that this is what would happen when you went into an airlock in space? This dude, somebody's given him information. Because they didn't even have, no one had been on a spacewalk or in an airlock yet. But he was detailed for step, for step, for step. I'm like, yeah, man, he's he's been clued in by somebody. <laughs> I don't know who, but yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Why'd you like 2001 so much? Uh, I think, number one, the visuals. Um, it's such a clean look. And... Kind of the same reason why I love Space 1999. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of the same model makers and some of the same set designers that worked on both films. Uh, it's just this clean, basic look, which makes it gives it a little more realism. And it was again, there was no lost in space elements. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. presented in such a serious way and clean and. You know, I, I still, anytime it's on, I happen, I'll just put it on and watch because it's just such a treat for the eyes. You, mm -hmm. you can't, I don't see how you couldn't enjoy it, you know. Kubrick was a genius, man. Mm. Mad genius. <laughs> um, what's, this is this kind of, it's a pretty standard question, I sure, think. Sure, yeah, but uh, your favorite thing you've worked on so far, do you have one or is it just mm. whatever you're working on now? That's, the, that's what a lot of people say. My latest thing, what I'm working on now. Being, that being my favorite? I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I will say this project I'm on right now uh, in film with the lightning bolt on the guy's chest. Uh -huh. uh, my previous position at a shop, I was the head of my department mm -hmm. of technical, and I just did everything. Like I had to do the purchasing and the design and then the implementation and the construction and I rarely had, when I did have people on a team to help, it mm -hmm. was great. It was great to give instruction and then have people come to me with their work. And it took a load off of me. Okay. But I, it wasn't often that I had that luxury. Okay. Um, so I somewhat enjoyed now just being given a pile of wires and say, here, AJ, make 12 of these lightning bolts. I'm like, no problem. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of... A relief yeah to yeah. just be a cog in the wheel sometime mm -hmm. um you know i can listen to my audiobook a lot of people tune out yeah 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 um, I, I find it interesting that you you did electrical stuff such such an early age because i feel like a, a lot of people electricity anything involving electrical engineering something about electricity can kind of like it seems like overpowering or something. Dangerous, maybe. dangerous too. Yeah, it was like hard to figure out. Like you, like oh, I don't know. I might need a degree for that shit. You know what I mean? Well, I actually <laughs> didn't take any courses until 
after I moved to LA, I had taught myself a lot. Uh, I used to go to Radio Shack as a kid. Okay. I used to shoplift from Radio Shack <laughs> yeah. as a kid <laughs> yeah. because yeah. my mom didn't give me money. And they're such yeah. small parts. You can just yeah. put it all in your pocket. I did. I did. <laughs> uh, I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm going to truth tell, you know. It's um, off your chest now. I would get, you know, little uh, project booklets, and it showed me how to make um, with two integrated circuit chips, uh, a sequencing red light with 10 lights that would just sequence in a row. And man, I worked hard and I got the thing. I still have that little box with that. No. Where it works. I had uh, one of the shop owners I, I worked at it, my first job uh, in film asking about another project. We had did the lighted suits for the black eyed peas for their oh. own tour. And I designed all the lighting to go in Will I Am suit. And then also for the Super Bowl halftime show when they were on nice. it. And uh, my boss had asked, he's like, hey, yeah, but is this circuit going to hold up over time that you're going to build? Mm. And so the next day I brought in that little box with that circuit. And I said, you see this? I made this when I was 12. And I clicked the switch. I'm like, see, it still works. Damn. So I think these circuits will hold up. <laughs> they're, they're made to last. Yeah. So as long as they're assembled properly, they should be fine. He's like, okay. So <laughs> that, was, that was cool working with Black Eyed Peas. Um, I had to go deliver this big chrome robot suit uh, while they were on tour that we made for Will I Am, and uh, and then when we did the Super Bowl halftime show, that was nerve wracking because mm -hmm. you know we just delivered it to them or sent it over, and it had to work. It had to work that time. Mm -hmm. It was like I'm sure they practiced with it. So we're at some friend's house for his birthday slash Super Bowl party. Yeah. And his parents were in town. They were at the party and stuff. And so I was like, um, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm pleased like to ask everyone a favor. If you don't mind if I sit in front to watch because I just did all the lights on William's suit. And I'm really nervous that it's going to work. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm watching. And this whole room, instead of enjoying it, is watching me freak out. You know, the whole time. And it worked completely the whole time. And afterwards, nice. I'm like, ah, it worked. It worked. It didn't break. Ah. And then I, then I was able to drink and enjoy myself. But, um, yeah, that was cool stuff. That's and cool. then afterwards, uh, with my old roommate, we'd have some late nights drinking around the house. And I'd ask my old roommate, Robert, and I'm like, Robert, can I put on the Black Eyed Peas halftime show? He's like, Oh God, AJ, are you gonna cry again? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yes. <laughs> and I would drink. I'd sit there and cry. Yeah, I did that. I did that. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of moving when you see your work up on screen. Right, right, um, right. And when you see your name on the screen too, it's a, it does it's a feel little, good. Yeah, it's a little off-putting when they misspelled your name. Right, but it happens, <laughs> it happens to a lot of us. We mm -hmm. get our names misspelled if we had we have weird names. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, before I give it over to the uh, other dudes, and you guys can come in whenever you want, of course, but um, actually, we, we got to talk a little bit more about Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. Sure. So, your favorite series is original series? Um, well, I, I say that, and I think my next one is Voyager. I love Really? Voyager. More than uh, first, I Next say Generation? More than, oh, more than Next Generation? Um,. I feel like usually it's it's usually those two that well, are the top. I, I know a lot of people like your generation love mm -hmm. Next Gen. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think yeah. it's kind of weird because Next Gen had to find their footing, had yeah. to find their voice when yeah. they started. And so when Voyager came out, uh, that universe already had its whole groove going. And right. they, had it, they had it right on track. Mm-hmm. So it's like you come into this world with Voyager and everything is rock solid. Like from the sets to the characters to the storylines, you know, there's always a bad episode mm-hmm. here and there. But I don't know, something about it. Maybe it's just Kate Mulgrew that I just mm. love so much that I, wanna, okay. I really want to kick back and have a beer and a smoke with. <laughs> okay, um, okay. I think she's awesome. I, I even that's why I started watching uh, Orange Is the New Black because I found out she was on it. I was oh, like, shit. oh no way! So <laughs> I don't watch it now because this past season was horrible. Okay, we got see episode two in. I'm like, I can't watch this. What happened? <laughs> yeah, I think I stopped after the first one. Yeah, it's Show like showrunner change probably. It was just too, they gave up. <laughs> they gave up. I don't know, man. Hmm. It was like a joke. They lost and spaced it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You really, you really <laughs> only lost in space. Holy shit. Well, it's got its place. The old, the old lost in space. Right. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, so you were favorite us. Trek. Now I want to know favorite Trek character of all time. Do you have one? Probably Spock. Spock. Always Why? Was he was just a strong, trustworthy person that could protect you. And I didn't have a dad. Or okay. I lost my brother when I was three. Okay. And you know I didn't have any male figures around me that were protective mm. so to me spock was my dad he was my brother it was mm. you know it was weird and i know this is going to sound weird um when there would be episodes when he would show emotion like there was one in particular where these plants shot him and then he was able to make out and be in love with this girl that he already knew and um when i would see those episodes i would have dreams about spock uh-huh. and like he would just hug me Oh wow! Okay, it's like the yeah. best feeling. I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> so sorry to weird anybody out. That's true. So Spock, I would say, I would say Spock. Yeah, for sure. I think Spock's also probably probably yeah, my favorite as well. I think it's it's either toss up between him and Kirk or Picard for a lot of people. Um, the latest the latest series. Let's hop all the way to that now. Okay. Discovery. You're watching it, right? I've only seen. The first episode that they broadcast for free on CBS. Oh man, I have not watched. Crap! It. I'm sorry. Okay. I know that's. I know everybody. Pick yourself up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> sit back upright. Uh, sorry to do that to you, but um, <laughs> I think I was bitter that I didn't get to work on that series. Um, so now you're too in. <laughs> well, you're, you're too into the world. Like you can't look look at it as a viewer anymore. You're not like. I wanted to work on that show, yeah, and yeah. a friend of mine got an interview and he was like oh aj i'm gonna take you on. i'm gonna take you with me and and then he didn't get in i said all you have to do he's like what do you want me to show him i'm like just show him this one image with a collage of like props that i've made that's it and just give him my website that's all if you want but just this image i don't think he even did that i think he was a turd oh man but um so then and then he was like oh yeah they moved to canada so we're not gonna get it i'm like uh and now he's actually on the orville Okay. Doing visual effects. And I'm like, man, when are you going to give me a name? You know, somebody right. in the art department. And he's always kind of putting me off. And but he's always, no, man, I owe you. I, re- I really owe you. And But then he's like, well, oh, I think they're not going to do the props in-house anymore. I'm like, oh, that means he hasn't, I mean, he hasn't even given me one name to contact, which is all I'm asking for. I'll it's do the public knowledge that Clint Hetrick's studio did that? I don't know. I think Hetrick did that. You know did, more than I do that. then. I'm pretty sure. Wow. 
Yeah. He's, so a, he's a judge on Face Off, that sci-fi show, everybody. So mm-hmm. he's a pretty public figure. Okay, well, I'll have to get that from you later. In I don't know him. See, see, I don't yeah, know him, but I, I just see, know the word. Cold, when I do a cold approach, someone it never works. I really Justin got... might know him. Oh, yeah? Maybe. I want to say maybe. I don't want to get yeah. in trouble here. Mm. <laughs> I could always. I mean, Justin and I, Justin is the uh, owner of Fractured Effects. Yeah. And um, I just worked for them for the first time. That's where I met Andrew. Mm-hmm. And um, they seem to be very pleased with my work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the owner cool. seemed to really like my work. Uh, just would love if there was more for me. Um, it's coming, man. Everybody's slow yeah. right now. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. That's what I keep hearing. So I yeah. don't feel that's that's a problem with people in my field. Um, we all go through this um, withdrawal depression when jobs end. We all feel like we're not wanted. We're not worthy. We're mm. no good. Um, we're hacks. Um, because, and it's not us, it's because there's just not work there all the time for yeah. some of us that are a little more specialized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but it's still rough. It's rough. That's why I've got this trade off with this engineering job that's making me feel secure. Uh, and so, am I going to go back into this roller coaster emotionally of the movie, but movies and TV? But, you know, that's what I moved here to do, and that's what I, mm-hmm. I have to do. Yeah. No matter how rough it is, I think mm-hmm. you know until yeah. I can't do it anymore. You'll probably end up hating the other the stable job. I do. <laughs> you already do. So there I you go. Do. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but it is a it is an easy gig. Okay. It's super easy, easy, easy. I mean, I blow them away and they love my work. They're like, <laughs> oh. Somebody the other how day do you said. Do this? Somebody the other day said, "Hey AJ, did um one of the owners approach you about being hired permanent?" I'm like, "Um, no, they did not." He's like, oh. and he, he walked off, and I've not heard. That was like two, three weeks ago, and I haven't heard anything. I'm like, oh man, what do I do if they offer me something? I can't, you know. They've been kind of nice to me, and I'd hate to put my nose in the air to them. So maybe I'll just say yes, and you know, go. What happens later? You know, right. worry about the rest later. It's just soul crushing work. It's just boring as hell. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Really? Yeah, that's how it happens. It's not huh? creative. It's lines on paper. That's it. It's electrical drafting. AutoCAD or some oh, shit? Yeah. What yeah, do you yeah. use for that? AutoCAD? Yeah. AutoCAD's the software that we use for uh-huh. drafting, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is not even... I'm not even drawing a house or an object. It is like a schematic diagram of a flow chart of where power goes from one place to another. And it's like, oh. <laughs> You're like, I like electronics, but Boo. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not pretty. But when I do have something I have to draw, they're like, I'm like, here, I can do it in 3D fast. Here you go. And they're like, holy shit, that looks fantastic, AJ. I'm like, they're like, how do you do that so fast? Like some of the owners, it's a mom and pop company. Uh, and like the, the two of the owners, their kids, they're adults and they're engineers. They watch me work and they're like, I just got to watch you work. I mean, I just, you're a trip. How do you do that? I'm like, I've been doing it a long time. I, it's just... Did you steal from Radio Shack as a child? <laughs> that is the key. I think we, need to, can we, we might need to edit that. Uh, <laughs> or just yeah. raise the volume. Radio Shack's out of... Out oh, of that's this right. Is, they're gone. Yeah. So it's okay. Tandy won't come out. They couldn't sell gone. anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I put them out of business. Oh, my God. It was me. It there, was was, me. there was a good 10 to 15 years, though. It's like, they're still around? Like, every time I'd see a Radio Shack, it'd be like, 
whoa, that exists. You know, it was weird. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know anybody that goes yeah. there. Yeah. It's sad. The end of an era. But yeah. It happens. It happens. Um, next I th- question. Yeah. I think we're going to enter the uh, Chris Farley segment of the show. And uh, anybody want to uh, be up for this first? Yeah, I'll start. All right, cool. This so let me explain this real quick. Okay, yeah. We call. Do you remember the Chris Farley uh, show on SNL where he where he's like a uh, 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 man in a van like, down by the river? Not that one. Oh. Like, like one of the Beatles would be on, and then he would like Paul McCartney. Oh, yes. he'd be like, so what was, what was the Beatles like? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. So totally know it. So this is the Chris Farley okay. segment of the show. So uh, take it away, Joey. Uh, yeah, I was I was uh, just checking out your IND page. Um, what um, what would you say is your favorite thing you've worked on? Sort of favorite, uh, yeah, piece. Let me think. Oh, like um, single piece, like single prop. Yeah, like a yeah, like a prop for a film, or just kind of your your favorite moment. Well, I, I, yeah. I do think it's the oxygen mask from Star Trek Beyond because that was quick. I was able to do it fast. I completely designed it and built it myself. Like nobody, I, nobody else even painted it. Oh shit! Know? So nice. it was kind of all me. Um, we just three D printed the part. You know, I just submitted it. You know, there wasn't really any input from the director. Nice. Like that's good. Oh, that's cool. That's good. That's They're cool. like, that's good. Go with it. I was like, nice. So it was short and sweet, and it was all me. So I really, I like that one a lot. Um, Tron. I don't know. I really enjoyed it because the design was so beautiful and I was really mm-hmm. pissed off that it didn't even get nominated for art direction. Mm. I think that was a crime because it was, it's such a, a, an elegant, gorgeous film, you know, design work. It deserved something. Yeah. And I guess because it's Disney, the Academy just felt like they didn't deserve it or I don't know what their beef was with them. Um, working on it though, actually was rough. Um, I worked at a shop that only did the helmets and another shop did the suits. So we all did LED lighting on the helmets and the suits were EL and they didn't match up on set. Oof. Oh, dang. But that wasn't my problem. Um, nope. What I did was, was good. Um, other questions? What would you say uh, worst experience <laughs> in sort of the prop uh, ghostbusters. industry ghostbusters okay ghostbusters oh really yeah wow. um we were we built most of their uh equipment and mm-hmm. guns and shit and we were part bashing like we did not make their proton packs this other prop house made those and even they had a hard time we were in touch with them because we had to coordinate with certain things with them mm-hmm. and they said they built like seven sets of those and they were constantly changing them because mm. of the size or something, something, something. So I felt bad for them. But, you know, the things we were making, these ghost grenades, were like, uh, okay. And then we heard <laughs> that we were going to have this ghost wood chipper. And I'm like, <laughs> and they, they, they sent us a, an, a, 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 an illustration. I'm like, yeah, this is a joke, right? Like, we're not really doing that. Then later, they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing it. Wow. I was like, oh, gross. Like, um, that was 3D modeled, though. I just did a lot of the lighting on it. And we did get a guy to animatronic the uh, teeth on it, which was cool. If you ever can go online and see images of that model, you'll notice that our guy who um, 3D modeled it put, like, uh, an Atari 
uh, game station on it. Oh shit! Like, and even a cartridge, a Nintendo cartridge on the bottom side. Okay, that's part of the model build. Not a real one, but just like a model of it, but reduced. And Mm -hmm. so it's cool. That was fun, but just they were ridiculous, and you know, it's so everything was so last minute and change, and mm, didn't care for that. Yikes! Yeah. Uh, Next question. Anybody else? Uh, Fine, bye. Uh, <laughs> I got an interview, everybody. Okay. Uh, uh, well, okay. I'll, I'll continue. Uh, I got one. For Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. uh, how oh, was... Yeah. Talk about that. What was that like? Like Chris Farley? Um, that was... That was oh, that's a good story. I'm glad you asked about that one. Um, I made his chest star for that. And the stripes on his chest that went around on his shoulder and the flag on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's interesting was Marvel came to the shop where I was at and said, oh, uh, and the owner said, hey, AJ, can you model this, you know, in his chest? They had this fiberglass, fiberglass mold of, what's his name? Steve Rogers? I mean, uh, uh, the actor. Chris, uh, Chris Evans. Chris yeah, Evans, Chris Evans yeah. chest cleavage, just this like kind of oval shape just pretty much the cleavage where the star would go in a little Mm -hmm. area out they're like um can you model this illustration that they sent us onto this i'm like um yeah do we have a scan of this chest area no i'm like well Uh. how am i gonna get this they're like oh come on you can figure it out can't you (laughs) no i'm like professional right well um (laughs) i might be able to Oh, and we need it in three days. I'm like, holy shit. But somehow <laughs> yeah. I did it by taking a piece of wire and bending it in the cleavage or on the chest pectoral and getting a curve in one axis in one direction and then bending it across both to get that curve. And then I took a photo of that wire laid flat on the table and then brought it into my uh, 3D modeling software made a vector of those curves and then put them crossed on each other. And then I made a, uh, a ball that I contorted to fit into that. So I was able to, without a scan, make that shape. And then I Ooh. built the star around it. We sent it off to be printed and I prayed. And then when we, <laughs> when we got it, when I picked it up, I went to the shop. It laid almost perfectly in that oh, shit. fiberglass nice. chest thing. I was like, damn. I'm like, now please don't ask me to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> then they, and then they asked me to do it again with the stripes on his chest and his shoulder. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. I said, I, I lucked out with that, but I can't do that on his whole torso. Right. You don't even have his torso uh, scanned or anything. And I'm like, listen, I don't want to say I can do that because I don't think I'll be able to pull it off. So what I suggested was, um, what we should do is take paper. They did have a torso of him. Uh, I said, take paper and make a pattern of where it's going to go. Then we'll pull that off and lay it flat. I'll model it flat and then we'll print it and then cast it in a very flexible urethane, a rubber, and then glue that to the suit. And that's what we did. And that's what worked. Mm. So we pulled it off. I was really happy. And then the flag, cause all of his colors on that suit are monochrome mm-hmm. gray right Mm -hmm. and um so his flag is like it's shades of gray it's not red white and blue so Mm. the stars are white on a darker gray and then a 
lighter gray and for the stripes. But we're like, where can we get that done? We're never going to be able to paint that mm. um, that small, the stars. And you, they're like, we're never going to be able to do that. We're never going to be able to do that. And I said, why don't we find one of those companies that makes those little rubber keychain things? Mm. They're in multicolors. And they're like, yeah. So I found this company in San Diego that makes those, you know, like a little shitty keychain. It's made of rubber and it's different mm-hmm. colors. So they made it for us. Oh, shit. And oh, they were perfect, perfect, perfect. Wow. So, and I never got one. Damn it. Oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> I should have picked one. You got to contact know. them again. I forgot. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Stefan, you had one? Um, yeah. You said Batman was like a huge thing for you as a kid. What was it like working on the... Uh cowl for batman versus superman i told him i, I gave him the, oh, the yeah, details on yeah, that one yeah, yeah of course you would <laughs> um, that yes. was a, that was a trip that was uh at ironhood studios who made the entire suit uh-huh. um the mecha suit his regular suit and wonder woman's outfit as well awesome. and um i was popping in and out of there at nighttime because i was at another shop uh helping on another project and they had the illustrations in for Batman versus Superman. And I saw that illustration of Batman in the Mecha helmet. <clears throat> and I asked the owner, I said, Hey, are you going to need me to put lights in those eyes? <laughs> he was like, I don't know how he would see. I said, Yeah. And that was that. And then, like a month or so later, he called me up and they said, Yeah, we need you to put lights in those eyes. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> and they said, Um, okay, well, we're going to have you use EL wire. And if you know what EL is, it's electroluminescent. Uh-huh. And it's real okay. shitty. It's low brightness, and it's high voltage, and it's prone to failure easily. I hate using it. That's what all the lights uh-huh. in the suits were on Tron. But, like, that wire, like, it's real. You can buy it at AutoZone, and you can Damn. put it around your dash if you want to be. Okay, up. yeah. Um, <laughs> so... They bought like the brightest you could buy, and I put it around the edge of the the eyes and like their test helmet. I'm like, guys, this is not gonna work. This is not bright enough. I they want that in that illustration, and this is not gonna give them that. Yeah, just just go ahead and mock it up, AJ. I'm like, okay. I said you need to use LEDs, and I think you should make this section out of clear, and I'll put the little side mounted surface mount LEDs around the edge, and it'll light it up and just bevel the uh, outline of the eye. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so they, pardon me, they went to Warner Brothers with the EL and they came back a day later. Yeah, they want LED. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I knew that. <laughs> so, so they took the existing cast of the helmet that they had and they popped out that frame around the eyes and they cast it in clear and did just what I said. And I put, I custom built these lights to go around it and put it in and it worked. It was gorgeous. And cool. They had like a screen mesh in front of the eye so you could still see through but the light reflected off of it and so on camera it looks just like all blown out like it's completely white light wow but the actor could actually still see that's awesome so, nice so um i heard uh somewhere online were you telling me about yeah maybe it was me somebody yeah you, you sent me a link to the director said, oh this yes is, yes, want, yes they want to make that the new standard for superhero they want to do the the Chris McKay, the director for Nightwing, which seems like it's never going to get made. Uh, oh. They 
he said also he wants white eyes. Yeah. He wants like, the white, like lit that. up eyes. Yeah. And I did try and reach out to him on Twitter and I got no response. What happened was is it seems to be that WB's dragging their feet with it and he's already chosen to do something else. I think Dungeons and Dragons or something. They they won't let that go. I, I can't remember, but it was like, okay, now Nightwing's five years out. And it's like, right. at least. And it's like, oh, dude, what the fuck, man? This, I know that guy has to work, but it's kind of want to see Nightwing before all this other shit. Yeah. That's just how it is. Like people have to drop out because studios drag their feet, and you know, like I think Guillermo del Toro had to back out of. Um, was it one of the Lord of the Rings movies or something? Hobbit? Oh yeah, yeah, Hobbit. Because he's like, listen, I can't tie up my life forever with you guys. Yeah, so yeah. So he just moved on, and he just get, turned over all his illustrations that his team did. Because he's like, here, I, I'm not an asshole, which he's not. Um, yeah, apparently his stuff was like. A totally different look too. It would have seemed like a different universe almost. Probably how bad. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's what uh, former uh, interviewee on this podcast, Rob Freitas, told me. Oh yeah. And this is all dead way in the past, so I'm assuming it's declassified. Okay. You never know. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, but see, projects they just get held up. Like the next Tron film was held up, and you know, a lot of us were glad about that mm-hmm. because we were dreading it. Yeah. Coming up because it was going to be big, big, big. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> like, the owner of the shop I was at went to a meeting with Disney and he said, Oh, man, every shop in town's going to be busy. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. <laughs> and we we're like, Ugh. Then we were hearing they were going to wanted to shoot in fall and it was March. I'm like, There's no way. Yeah. This is not enough time to build a gazillion suits. Yeah. Which they will change constantly. This is for Tron, right? Yeah, for the next Tron. Yeah, that, so and that I've heard happen. like it was around the clock. There was third shift going on. Well, this is like for the one that would come next. Oh, okay. Now. Yeah, yeah. And and then all of a sudden, one weekend, <laughs> I see on a Sunday uh, an, on a Facebook post, Variety Magazine, Disney states that uh, Tron 3 won't happen. Oh, okay. Because yeah. their calendar is booked till 2018. <laughs> and I showed it to the boss Monday. I'm like, look, there's no Tron. He's like, What? I'm calling them. I, I, where, where is this? I'm like, Variety Magazine. Check the trades. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah <laughs> man. We, we all saw, breathed a sigh of relief because we knew it was going to be an insane schedule, as always. Yeah. But it's constant change, 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 change. Oh, you finished the whole suit, but we wanted to move this line over half an inch. Yeah, So yeah, you have yeah. to remake the whole suit. Yeah. And it's just insanity, you know, for no reason often. But, um, yeah, so we were all kind of happy. Like, oh, too bad. Wink, wink. (laughs) Yeah. Moving on. Um, Matty, did you have anything, man? Yeah. Um, Since we were just talking about Del Toro, what'd you do on Pacific Rim? Oh, shit. (laughs) I did, you know, I worked at Legacy Effects on that. And, uh, I mean, that was a long gig. Legacy did so much stuff on there. Um, we built suits, we built, uh, the compod controls, um, maybe that's it, the, the spine that went in the back of their suits, the electronic yeah. spine, mm-hmm. and then a box that the spine went in, which barely got shown. <coughs> um, I, I put all the lights in all the suits on that. Um, uh, that was fun. They had this box that the spine went in, and some guy asked, hey, man, do you know anything about this little space here in the lid 
where I guess a control is going to go because we haven't gotten anything and we got to have a meeting on this soon. I said, no, but I could design something. Mm. And, oh, he said, cool. and he was like, well, you know what? And this is like an older guy that had been in the business a while. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah? Well, this is what you do. Go ahead and design something in your own time and then bring it into the meeting. Do some printouts and do a mock-up and just bring it in. And by the time we have the meeting, since nobody else is thinking about it, you'll already have a design finished. Mm-hmm. And then right. they'll just probably go with it because they don't have time to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, I'm like, I got you, man. And I, and I did that and it, and it perfectly worked. Um, That's awesome, man. So we did this design and uh, I actually did an animation for a screen like when you would punch in the buttons so i did this lighted keypad that they cnc'd out of the metal plate and a little screen which we used an ipad i mean an iphone um but just a little window of the iphone that did this like code accepted Mm -hmm. and then the the whole top would like these bolts would like corkscrew up and then the top would roll back and it showed this lighted gel that the thing sat in well the guy who went on set with it said they put him in a suit to handle it because they're like we can't trust an extra to handle this since you know Mm. what you're doing and i said so what happened with the box he's like yeah i was explaining it to guillermo and he said you know what we'll just shoot it open because otherwise it turns into a short film about a box (laughs) damn it it." Um, so you do see it open and i see the little graphic going but it's like fast fast he picks it up and runs i was like our and then, um, and also the controls and the com pods, um, we got a design from them and I had to put all the lighting buttons in. Well, I made them actually work. Um, I made like digits count and buttons pushed and depressed and would put, turn lights on and off. And um, they didn't have anything written on any of the buttons. So I got high res photos of the instrument panel from the space shuttle and I copied what a lot of those controls uh, said that's cool. onto that. And like, they didn't ask me to do it. I was like, it needs to be done. And like one of the owners came by and saw that. He was like, he just kind of shook his head like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. That was it. So uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, it's sad to not be asked to work on the second one. But, you know. They totally changed every, well, that's probably not totally uh, declassified, huh? What? Pacific Rim Two. Well, it's it's public knowledge that it's a different it, so director. Is it a different? Oh, yeah, yeah. Del Toro didn't do that. But he's a producer on it. Isn't he's he? producer. Yeah. But who who knows what that means in this case? Right. Yeah. The lines are not defined at all, really, that well for producers. What a producer does. True. He could do all kinds of shit. Right. Be as hands off or on as. Yeah. 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 True. Look at a script once. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Especially yeah. now that he's. An Academy Award winner too. It's like they're going to be probably using that for Pacific Rim two. I don't know. Oh we'll yeah, see. yeah. From Guillermo del Toro, who showed up once. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of directors don't show up at all, though. It seems like. Uh, I just met him um, at a screening of The Shape of Water uh, for consideration, and it was the last one he was doing for it. And um, I was determined to get a picture with him, and my friend went gets he's in the guild so he gets these invites and he said do you want to go because he already went and got a picture with him i'm like fuck yeah <laughs> so nice we go and he's like okay well we got to sit in the front row i'm like no no let's just sit in the third row he's like no you have to sit in the front row mm. because all those other people ahead of you are going to swarm him when it's over because he does a q a after mm-hmm. i'm like no no we're fine and he was totally right mm-hmm. like if you look on my instagram you'll see um 
this woman's got her cell phone against my face and I'm trying to, and Guillermo was actually trying to pose for the photo with me. He threw up a peace sign, but this woman got in the way. And so I looked like this total fanboy trying to get a picture with Guillermo. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't care. It was nice to be around. And then all these, all these people there were like speaking to him in Spanish. Guillermo, por favor. I'm like, oh, you dirty people. I'm trying to feel. To you're cheating him you're cheating yeah <laughs> so but it worked they he pretty much just stopped and took pictures with all of them that's cool uh yeah so i guess if you guys want to see more of my work you've already gone to my imdb page you can also go to my uh website ajcatalano.com and i'm on instagram and facebook as aj catalano designs um if you want to look at fun stuff and stupid right stuff and I'm doing it right now. You have any advice for those that want to become a product or a production designer or prop maker or, or light Good lighting luck. specialist? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard because um, so much of the business has gone to other countries. It's it's hard to be inspirational to people, you know, that want to come here. You know, you have to get connected. You know, people are like, can I do an internship where you work? And I'm like, I don't even have an even have work there you know it, it, they're not there's not enough work often to do that yeah um you know i try and give as much advice as i can to people that are hopeful always stay hopeful and just try 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 um if you don't try you'll be sorry mm -hmm. you know when i came right. to la like i didn't have a place to live or yeah. a lot of money or a job or friends or family and uh i just struggled through and struggled through and struggled through and struggled through and, and, you know, eventually, you know, I'm still struggling. No, but, um, <laughs> now you're doing all right, it you seems know, like. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still working at it. I'm, I still have a lot I want to do. Um, but you know, just don't give up. Um, be strong. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a huge factor. That is. But people is. Don't, don't care if you have skills at a certain point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I have heard that like, People are like, there's people more qualified than me, and then they call me back. I'm like, well, why are they calling me back? So and so knows more. That guy sucks. It's like, dude. well, because they <laughs> can't talk to you. Yeah, it kind of was. So it's interesting. I tell everybody, you know, just be good at what you do and be good to everybody around you and work well with people. And, and you know, that'll carry you a long way. It really will. That's my best inspirational advice mm -hmm. to anybody in any <laughs> nice. field, really. Truly, yeah, it'll work. So cool, man! I think that's gonna do it for this interview. Okay, sorry I talk so much. No, man, that's that awesome. <laughs> You're on a podcast. You're supposed to be talking. You're also oh. the interviewee. <laughs> it's your job. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Good to know. I did well. All right. Oh yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. It's nice, sort of virtually meeting you guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and uh, take it easy, and I'll see you soon. Cool. All right, AJ. Thanks for coming Thank on. You. Okay. Thanks. All right, everybody. That was AJ Catalano Torres. We want to thank him for coming on. It was fucking awesome that he made it. Always cool talking to these guys. This was yet again uh, another installment in the Practical Effects Artist Series, the interview series. And um, again, we want to thank him. And also, we want to give another shout out to Shasta. <laughs> As always, we thank Shasta. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um,. Yes, please check out Superhouse. Uh, if you search for us on Patreon, it's p a t r e o n dot com slash Superhouse Podcast. 
if you can give us a donation there, that would be awesome. And uh, following Shasta's footsteps. And that's basically it. This is Andrew signing off. This is Stefan signing off. This is Maddie. Bye-bye. This is Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other godforsaken social media outlet that we that we should be floating on. We are basically on all social media. <laughs> yeah, all social media. Mainly Facebook and Twitter and Patreon. Check out the links in the description. We have a lot of uh, cool goals uh, set up on our Patreon. Like if you donate a dollar you'll be able to uh, give us a topic for us to talk about. And we'll talk about for maybe an hour or more. Who knows how long it'll take. And that's pretty tight. (laughs) That's the coolest thing. (laughs) Wait, we're on the internet? That's pretty good. (laughs) And we can make money. (laughs) What? (laughs) If you donate $1,000, you get full frontal nudes. We haven't set that up, but it's a possibility. (laughs) If you give us a grant, who knows what will happen. Check us out. I'll do that. I'll do that. You get to go on a date with one of us for $10,000. <laughs> but you pay for everything. <laughs> you get to have your way with Maddie for $20,000. I'm okay. I'll give you Joey for a weekend. For $30,000, we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Superhouse Gigolo Project. <laughs> <laughs> Links in the description. <laughs>